A father uh, took his son out uh, fishing off of Huntington uh, Pier there in Huntington Beach, you know, where the, the one side's Huntington City Beach and the other side's the state property. And But he took them out in a little rowboat and they went out fishing and uh, they were fishing, hadn't caught anything yet. And the son turned to his dad and he said, uh, Dad, uh, how do the fish breathe down in the ocean? Dad looked at him and looked down over the water and said, son, that's a good question. I don't know how the fish breathe down in the ocean. And the the son looked around and uh, put his hand on the edge of the boat and shook the boat. And the son turned to his dad and said, dad, um, can I ask another question? And of course, dad said, sure, ask away. And dad, how does the boat float on the water and not sink? Son, that's a good question, too. But I don't know the answer. And then the son looked uh, up in the uh, air and said, Dad, why is the sky blue? Uh, Dad, uh, a little bit frustrated, said, Son, I don't know why the sky is blue. And then the son looked at his dad and said, Dad, are you, does it bother you when I ask you these questions? And uh, the dad said, son, you can ask any question you want. You don't learn if you don't ask questions. <laughs> yeah, you want to say, yeah, but you don't have any answers there. <laughs> there are people ask you questions like that and you scratch your head sometimes. I had somebody sit with me the other day and said, I've been thinking of giving up my faith in God, Rich. And uh, I had worked with this guy for many years and uh we had memorized scripture together and all sorts of things. And it was a serious question. You ever have God ask you questions? The first question in the Bible, if we had more than a week, uh, I uh, could walk with you through scripture and look. The first question God ever asks a man and a woman is to Adam and Eve. In the, but he's not with them, but they're listening to him, aren't they? In the book of Genesis, where are you? (laughs) They were hiding, weren't they? Well, it turns out if you count up all the questions Jesus asked when he walked this earth in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, there's over 180 questions Jesus asks people. That's right. Lots of questions. I would like to uh, look at a question God asked. Today with you in our moments together from the Bible, uh, from the Old Testament. Uh, This was the time of pyramids. Uh, This was the time of Egypt's ascendancy. If any of you are taking history of Civ or world history. uh, The pyramids, uh, Egypt's chariots, uh, the pharaohs, the mummies, We're going to King Tut's exhibit here soon in our family uh, to see all the beauty of uh, the gold and all the things of all those thousands of years ago. Egypt, Egypt built so much of what its greatness that you and I see in the museums today. They built it on the backs of slave labor, Jewish slave labor, labor, labor. Did I say that wrong? Yep. 
so Moses is born into this time in history and uh, because the Egyptians were afraid of the Jewish uprising, uh, they uh, had them uh, kill their male babies. Uh, Moses' mother and father endeavor to preserve and he ends up being raised in uh, Pharaoh's house. He's in line to be number two Pharaoh or backup Pharaoh or Pharaoh himself. Uh, one day he's out and he sees one of the Egyptians, his citizens, killing one of his people, the Jews, and beating him. And so he kills this Egyptian and uh, he ends up fleeing his own stepdad pursuing him. Here he is in line to be Pharaoh, and now he's out in the wilderness of Midian, and he's now a shepherd. Uh, if you remember Joseph bringing his family, the 70 descendants of Abraham, to Egypt, uh, shepherds weren't the most popular. Uh, uh, the people of Egypt disrespected shepherds. So Moses is out in the wilderness. Uh, at age 40, he uh, flees Egypt, and now he's about 80, the Bible tells us. Uh, and he's out doing his shepherding work one day, and he sees a burning bush. And the bush calls his name, a burning bush. Uh, my mother used to say, Richard Earl Todd, and I knew right away God was speaking. In this case... Moses, they, hey, I heard that, amen. Moses, Moses. Moses didn't know who it was at first. But the message was, take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. The book of Exodus is where we're at. Chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Beginning in verse 5. God says, Moses, don't come near with your shoes on. Take your sandals off your feet. Exodus 3, 5. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Then God, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. That's pretty good. I'm I'm the God of Abraham. I'm your uh, creator. Uh, I've seen your misery and I'm concerned. It's time to deliver your people. You think Moses is thinking to himself, hallelujah. Joey's talking about the Lord coming back here. Uh, yeah, this little light, I'm going to let it shine till when? Till Jesus comes. Isn't that a great? Moses was thinking the Lord is here. This is hallelujah time. We're delivered. But Moses doesn't respond that way, does he? Because God steps on Moses' feet and he says, but you need to go to Pharaoh and uh, you're going to be my messenger and I want you to tell him these things. And 
Moses uh, gets a little uh, insecure, doesn't he? You ever been insecure when you did something? You ever go knocking on doors? Yeah, yeah, I've done that. Uh, tell people about Jesus. Go to the beach and uh, witness and go to the shopping malls. Yes, open my mouth. Yes. So Moses starts into all this insecure stuff. Who am I to bring that message to Pharaoh? What if they don't believe me, Lord? And what if they say such and such to me and I don't have a good answer? You know, I'm not the best talker, Lord. Not quite the enthusiasm you'd expect from a man of God. Go to Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world, Moses, and tell him I want him to release his slave labor force. And Moses says, wait a minute, Lord. I think you were talking about my brother, Aaron. He's the sharp one, the sharpest stick in the family. Uh, Perhaps you felt that way in your life. An opportunity comes up or a situation. Think, how could God use me? I'm just a regular guy. Or maybe you would say, I'm just a soccer mom. Or I'm a middle manager in some company. I'm a single guy. I'm a single gal. Um, how could God use me? I don't have much to offer God. All I have are five loaves and two fish. John 6. How could God use me? I've got an okay life. I've got a little income. Uh, we've got a little cabin in the mountains. Uh, I'm a shepherd. I'm not anybody important. Chapter 4 of Exodus, verse 1. Then Moses answers God and says, Behold, they won't believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord didn't appear to you. Boy, I like that. They'll say to you, the Lord didn't appear to you. You ever had the Lord tell you something? You know it's in your heart. I don't mean he said out loud like the burning bush, but you knew it. The Lord said, do something. Um, in our church family up in Whittier, we had a, a medical doctor in Whittier. And they went on a uh, mountain trip and they were coming back from Colorado. This was in the 1960s, but it might as well have been yesterday. The, every, all of us remember uh, and the stories that were told with those of us that weren't at the church, they were going through the mountains and one of the sons, his name was Robbie Capron, one of the sons um, uh, heard a voice and it said, open the door of the car and jump out, Robbie. The car was going about three miles an hour uh, down the road because the, uh, if they didn't uh, keep the brakes on, they'd get lose control. And at that. And so uh, Robbie jumped out of the car and he. Uh, rolled at three miles an hour and a uh, lumber truck hit the family's car instantly and the car went over the edge of the cliff and everybody died. And uh, so at our church facility, we uh, named a hall, Capron Hall for Bobby Capron. And uh, we tell that story. God does speak. And uh, but it's a miracle when he does things like that. But sometimes, you know, God's spoken to you. It's an impression on your heart and you can come up with excuses all day long for God uh, not to do something when he's asked you to do it. And he wants you to do it. But God doesn't spend much time questioning Moses about his abilities, does he? So, uh, Moses, uh, how fast can you run the hundred yard in? Moses, how many pushups can you do? Moses, uh, I left your cum file for those of you who teach school. I left your cum file in the office, Moses. What's your IQ? What'd you get on your SATs, Moses? 
What does God ask Moses? He says, Moses, what is in your hand, Moses? And what's, what does Moses have in his hand? The Bible says he has his rod. It's called the rod of Moses. It's in your hand. Moses, didn't you hear me? Don't you understand the reservations of Moses? Uh, what's God, what are you talking to me about my stick? I carry it in case a snake comes, I can squash it. What's a staff after all? It's just a staff. It was a common object. God doesn't want to talk about Moses' IQ or his abilities. He wants to talk about the stick that's in his hand. It was a common object. It was wood. They were all made of wood. None of them were made of ivory or gold or silver, unless they were ceremonial objects in some uh, temple of some god. Uh, Common. But it was important because every shepherd had one, didn't they? I go hiking with my grandson. When I took my son's hiking, we got first thing you do, you go hiking, you get a stick. Why? In case you see a snake. I hate snakes. And... uh, I have a son who's a police lieutenant here in Southern California, and uh, he hates snakes, too. I think it's really all of us. Todd's hate snakes. My wife, Claudia, is in the back. I don't think she likes snakes either. And uh, one day my son was chasing a bad guy into the neighborhoods of Santa Fe Springs up the street here. And um, he jumped over a fence and then another one. And then um, the lady of the house uh, said, watch out for my snake. <laughs> and. Uh, My son called out to the other guys, we got the guy, (laughs) and he ran away. (laughs) My son went one way, out of the yard, quickly. Yeah. And they caught the other guy, the bad guy, a couple blocks away, finally. An ordinary object. We all have something in our hand. But uh, this was what Moses had in his. But it was important because a shepherd used it, didn't they? A shepherd used his uh, staff... um, if a sheep was in a, like on the edge of a cliff, haven't you seen those pictures in the Bible where the shepherd takes the crook, the staff, and pulls that sheep back in, away from danger? Yeah. Snake, um, a coyote, something. To, yeah, but on the, ba- on the uh, hiking trail, we always use a stick or a staff. Get a good one. They're not all that pretty. Some of the older guys, even if I go hiking today, some older people, they now you can buy these staffs all fancy and they have engravings on them and names and the 50 states, all kinds of things. Yeah. But what is what is uh, what's in my hand have to do with freeing the Jewish slaves from slavery in Egypt? God, why are you asking me about my staff? And the Bible says in Exodus 4, the Lord said, Moses, throw it down. Lord, throw it down. It'll get dirty if I throw it down. Lord, Moses, what's in your hand? My staff, Lord, I already told you once. Throw it down. But Lord, if I throw it down, it might break. Lord, if I throw it down, someone might take it. I might trip and fall, Lord, if I don't have my staff. I might run into a snake. You don't want me to get bit, do you, Lord? 
And he throws it down and what does it become? A snake, the very thing Moses was worried about. And then the Lord says, now, Moses, now that it's a snake, go over and pick it up. Yeah, right. I hate snakes. But the thing about it is, in order to pick up the snake, Moses had to go back to where he threw his staff down, didn't he? But it wasn't a staff, it was a snake. In order to pick it up by the tail, he had to go back there. Because the Bible tells us that when he threw it down, it became a snake. Moses didn't stay there petting the snake. Did he? No, he ran. He stepped back. That's interesting. In order to pick up where he left off, he had to go back where he left off. Some of you and I in our lives, we want to make some changes, some corrections. First thing you got to do is go back to where you left off, isn't it? Sometimes we want to uh, leave the staff that's a snake now and go over here and pick up with the Lord. And the Lord says, no, go back to where the problem is. We're going to begin with that right there. Reach out and grab it, Moses. That's what I want you to do. Do you see what happened? God spoke to Moses where he was and he said, take something that is common and is ordinary in your life. And I'm going to show you my power. But he also told him something else. So common and important in your life. And it was in his hand, wasn't it? Now, did God ask Moses to do Something that Moses couldn't do? No. Isn't that interesting? What does God ask us to do? Does he ever ask you to do something you cannot do? No. Uh-uh. He only asks you something that's in your hand. He'll never ask you to do what you cannot do. Will he ask you to give a million dollars? If you don't have a million, he'll never ask you. If you have a million, I want to see it in the offering next Sunday. So God transformed it. Whose strength was it? Moses or God's? It was God's. In fact, the Bible says in Exodus 4 here, as, we, we, as you could read on, it, at a point after Moses cast the rod down, it doesn't call it the rod of Moses anymore. If from then on, it calls it the rod of God. Isn't that beautiful? And in the moment that Moses threw it down, it became God's rod because Moses had released it. It had stopped being the rod of Moses and it became the rod of God. It became a sign of, of the power of God and a symbol of Moses' leadership from that day on. And by the way, to this day, our pictures of Moses have Moses and the rod, don't we? Doesn't it? Don't they? <laughs> yes. All the pictures of Charlton Heston are like this, aren't they? Well, he didn't have his hand there. He had it like this. Yeah. <laughs> That's God sending his message through Moses and that rod, that rod that God used Moses to go to Pharaoh and turn it into a serpent and to hold it out over the Red Sea when the waters parted and to strike the rock. All of those accounts in the book, books of Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. Challenging Pharaoh with that what's in your hand question and throw it down. Now pick it back up. So what does all this have to do with Norwalk, California on September 16th, 2018? What is in your hand? Well, the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve disobeyed, didn't they? And God sent them out of the garden, a perfect place that became imperfect. 
And when they left, God didn't close the door and say, good riddance, I've gotten rid of all the sin in the world. No, what happened? God went with them. And God's always worked that way, hasn't he? He's always worked with what's in your hand and broken pieces and broken lives. We walk with God. It's a journey. Second uh, Peter one, your life is a journey. You must travel with a deep consciousness of the Lord. I were to encounter God and go with him and him with us. Maybe you think of church today that way, gathering with God's people and worshiping him and following him. Yes. The delivered. Worshiping the deliverer, those who've been healed, worshiping the healer. That's right. And that's what God's looking for in people today. When Pastor Rick arrives in October, he and his wife are going to be looking for people who have and they're going to look and they say, what's in the hands of God's people here at Norwalk GBC? That's right. What's in their hands? That's what God's been doing for 2000 years since Jesus Christ walked this earth. Are you up for it? Are you capable? Are you the right person for the job? What does God ask? (laughs) What's in your hand? (laughs) And if we look, everybody has something in there. You have something in your hand. I have something in my hand and in my life. And we discover God wants to use it. Sometimes you don't even recognize its value. You say, why, Lord, are you asking me what's in my hand? Maybe it's a diploma. Maybe it's a degree. Maybe it's some part of your education or training. Uh, Maybe it's a skill or a trade in your life that's in your hand. Maybe it's some resource or value in your life. Maybe it's your bank statement. Maybe it's your checkbook. Maybe it's portions of your paycheck that can go to God's purposes. Maybe it's a key to your house. When I uh, was a youth pastor and... uh, We had some people at our church that had mountain cabins and I would go to them and say, can the youth group use your cabin? And many of them said, no, I was such a joy when I came to our church family in Whittier. And uh, this one man in the church owned several sizzler restaurants here in Southern California. And he came to me. I didn't even go to him. He said, "Uh, Pastor Rich, uh, uh, my wife and the Lord's given my wife and I uh, a mountain cabin. And he held out the keys and he said, And if you want to use it, we'll schedule it and you can take uh, leaders in the church. Uh, The youth group is using it now. And uh, we're excited to be able to make it available to the Lord. And so God asks you today, what's in your hand, Norwalk? Throw it on the ground. See, there's things we don't want to give over to God. That's why God told Moses, throw it on the ground, release it. And then I want to show you my power. When did God show Moses his power? Before he threw the rod down or after? After he put it down. You know why? Because we want to hold on to those things, don't we? We've grown accustomed to them. We like them. They're a comfort to us. They're part of our routine. We want our vacation to bring us happiness and refreshment. We want our home uh, to be the way we want it. We want our spare time for ourselves and we want our talents to earn us money and so we can have more money and joy and we want our families to bring us comfort, right? Yes. All I can tell you again is God will never ask you to give what you do not have. 
Never. He didn't uh, ask Moses to do what he couldn't do. And he offers us the same dignity. What's in your hand? I wonder what's in your hand. Uh, Victor and I. Victor, I remembered his name. Denver. Uh, Victor and I went to Mexico City in 2013 with a group here from Southern California. And uh, we met Denver down there. Denver's from Columbus, Ohio. He came to Mexico City and he worked with our missionaries, uh, Brenda and Bess. And he retired early so he could come to Mexico. And you know what he did? He uh, brought his car from Columbus, Ohio, and he left it. And uh, six, nine months a year, he was in Mexico and he drove people around and he helped people. And he said, I have a chariot for the kingdom. And when missionaries and others would fly into Mexico City, he'd go to the airport and pick them up. You say, well, did he have a degree? No. Uh, What did he do down there? He loved people. He spent time with many of the nationals down there. He helped missionaries. He helped nationals. If if God would have asked Denver down in Mexico City, uh, what is in your hand? Denver would have said, uh, well, Lord, I uh, have some car keys. And the Lord said, throw him down. And then the Lord said, pick him up and use him. That's right. What's in your hand? If the Lord asked Noah, what, Noah, what's in your hand? And Noah would have said, I got a hammer and some nails. And the Lord said, build me an ark, right? Build me a boat. I'm going to rescue you and your family. Uh, what did Rahab have in her hand? And she says, well, I have a house of prostitution, Lord, and... Lord said, all I need is the straw on the roof. All Hannah had in her hands was a little baby boy, and she gave him to the Lord. Peter had a boat, and he put it into the water, and that boat became a platform for Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago to preach his sermons, right? Mary and Martha had in their hands a room, and they offered Jesus safety and security and rest from that room. A little boy had a lunch in John chapter 6 and in uh, two of the other Gospels. Uh, excuse me, all four. Uh, he had five loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many? A widow had a mite, and she gave it to Jesus. Paul had a persuasive pen and wrote messages and letters to the followers of Jesus that you and I study today, inspired of God. What did Joseph of Arimathea have? Uh, yeah, he was getting ready for his, uh, his own funeral. He had a new tomb, never been used. Never had a dead body laid in it until that of Jesus Christ. So I ask you, what is in your hand? That's the question of the morning on September 16th, 2018. I have a list here. Joey Ramirez, what is in your hand? Tim Lansing, what is in your hand? Victor, what is in your hand? Mike, Mike, right? And Linda, Mike, what is in your hand? Linda, what is in your hand? This is what God is asking. You've got a new pastor coming in October and uh, he's going to ask God, what is in the hands of these people that I can uh, muster together and we can uh, onward Christian soldiers for Jesus? Aurelia Alvarado, part of the under the bridge ministry. Uh, What is in your hand, Aurelia? Ron Muir, what is in your hand? Michelle Perkins, what is in your hand? Don, what is in your hand? Vet, what is in your hand? Dave, what is in your hand? 
Timothy, what is in your hand? Ben, what is in your hand? That's right. That's right. The rest of you are off the hook this morning. (laughs) No, maybe you're not off the hook. Maybe God is asking you. And you've been ducking those questions. What is in your hand? Maybe this is the question you need to wrestle with in your life. Not because I'm asking it, because God's asking it. And he's been asking you longer than I've been asking it. I'll be done at a point here in the next hour or two or three. God wants us to take what we have and uh, lay it down, throw it down, cast it down so we can be filled with his strength and pick it up and see him work in us and through us. There it is in us and through us. For the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? It's exactly what is in your hand. So what should you pray today? Lord, what is in my hand? Some of you may sincerely be praying, Lord, I don't know that I see clearly what I have to give. Help me. And talk with the leaders and those that are in, you're in spiritual submission to, in conversation with your spouses or friends. What is in my hand? Uh, what is it that I have I can give? And then give it and give it with all your heart and give it for the glory of God and the advancement of the kingdom. Why? Because his truth is marching on and you don't want it to pass you by. That's right. Would you stand with me for prayer? He is Lord. He is Lord. Sing it with me. He is risen from the dead and he is Lord. Just a minute. Let me tell you. Imagine a congregation where everybody takes what is in their hands and casts it down. And an army of people are unleashed. But it won't start until what? You cast it down. Till you let it go. Now, we aren't going to have a service where everybody brings their walking sticks. Uh, I don't want anybody falling if they go hiking tomorrow. But whatever it is you're holding on to, it's time to let it go. There it is. One announcement, we'll pray. And that is five o'clock tonight, a reminder. I've been asked to remind you about the prayer time in the first classroom here to my left, your right at five o'clock tonight to meet for prayer. Let's do that now. Let's pray. And Lord, we can't but imagine a church that casts down what's in their hands. And I can't imagine what will happen in this congregation in the days ahead, Lord. A new pastor. People releasing what's in their hands like they never have in the days ahead. And I hope you wait at least a couple months to see the continuing growth and transformation here at Norwalk Grace Church in the days ahead. And Lord, I ask you would give us all. Ears to hear what you have to say. Eyes to see what you want us to see in our lives in this ministry. And a heart that is opened unto you in these days. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said.
Amen. Amen. God bless you, folks. Have a great week. You are dismissed to go with God.